0: What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Batman! Sir, it's the Bat phone. Yes, Commissioner. We'll be right there.
1: Biff Bam Pal. Bat-man! This is Batman Land. Be careful. Maybe a trap. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show.
0: We're Batman and Robin, the crime fighters.
1: We discuss the episodes there this week on SBS Viceland. My name is Dan Barrett, I'm an editor here at SBS. My co-host this week, look, he isn't easy to get into the studio, he's only willing to be here this week, on the promise of milk and cookies, it's SBS guide
0: editor, Nick Bassin. Don't you dare dangle milk and cookies in front of me and not deliver. (laughs) Look, I, I would never dare to. Where are the milk and cookies then? Jeez, this is really
1: embarrassing and awkward, isn't it? Anyway, maybe there's a little treat for you at the end of the podcast.
0: Unless, as with the show, milk and cookies is some kind of euphemism for something horrible.
1: I would never say that out loud. And it's not horrible. It's going to be a beautiful, unique experience, Nick.
0: I've lost track of what we're talking about.
1: Ah, uh, Batman Land. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about two episodes this week. Everyone's favorite villain, King Tut. Is Victor, back Buono. Victor Buono. Victor uh, Buono. We're talking about two episodes. King Tut's Coup which aired originally on the 8th of March, 1967, and Batman's Waterloo, which aired on the 9th of March, 1967. I believe this is the third appearance of King Tut.
0: That sounds about right. Yeah, and I think you've been on the other two Tut pods. To commemorate um, those Tut pods, you gave me a little King Tut Lego, uh, Batman Lego man. I did. Where did I get that from? I don't know, but I'll cherish it always. As well you should. It's only been maybe three times, but it feels like a lot more it kind of does. And look, when I saw that
1: it was a King Tut episode, I wasn't that excited. I was like, it's another Tut episode. But he was probably funnier in these episodes than I think we've seen in the other two installments.
0: I think Victor Bruno does a great job and he's really animated. He's really over the top, which is what these villains need to be. And I definitely think the writing for the character in these episodes was funnier than it has been in the past. So I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed him. Yeah, but
1: the writing generally across the board, I think, was funny with these episodes. And there was a lot more sort of direct acknowledgement of the camera. Like, they were breaking that fourth wall. Oh, were they, I think they it was ever? twice, at least. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was kind of uncomfortable.
1: Anyway, Nick, I barely remember what happened in this week's what? episode. If you could please remind us all what happened.
0: Okay, so Professor William Omaha McElroy is on the Yale campus. He gets hit in the head and boom, King Tut is back. Baby What's shaking? He steals a sarcophagus And Batman and Robin Are called on the case We'll be right there They find King Tut's plan In the possession Of a pantomimist With a noose Around his neck somehow Do You think it would be alright If someone had died Me now? Then King Tut Kidnaps a woman That he thinks is Cleopatra but I'm not Cleopatra. Batman and Robin try to save her, but they're beaten to a pulp. King Tut puts Batman in a sarcophagus and submerges it in a swimming pool for an extremely long time. Not even Brad to bat resuscitation can help her now. Alfred fishes him out. You're alive, sir. He was without air for hours, but put himself in a trance. It required extreme concentration. But King Tut still has Robin, so Batman uses the battering ram. I say again, the battering ram. Holy <laughs> steam. Now. to bust into the lair and save him king tut is put into therapy did i do it again bruce wayne accepts a beautiful woman's invitation to milk and cookies but he says that the wayne foundation is his wife whatever that means sure
1: nick i'm really glad that you reminded me what happens because i'm completely across it now let's kick off with and there's a lot to unpack in this episode there are a lot of great little scenes along the way let us maybe start with the cold open you've got the professor walking through it was yale yale Yeah, walking through the hallowed um, grassy fields. uh, Ivy-strewn walls. Was there much ivy going on? There was definitely shrubbery. But he's walking along there with two students. We find out they're football players, and the professors are a little bit unsure whether or not the football players are actually keen in studying Egyptology or whether or not they just thought it was an easy course. Now, who's looking at Egyptology thinking, well, this will be a slam dunk. This isn't going to take much effort. Uh, Are yeah, you a Yale man?
0: No, I did not apply to Yale.
1: Yeah, so you've never been to Yale? You've never been a whiff and poof or anything?
0: Uh, no, I had a friend that went. Did he become a whiff and poof? Is that the, um, the a cappella group? Yeah, yeah. He was definitely into singing and was in an a cappella group, but I don't know if he was a if, whiff and poof.
1: Yeah. You should get in contact and find out.
0: Not necessarily in the Skull and Bones, which you would know mm. because uh, George Bush was in it. Yeah. The Secret Society.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was thinking a bit more about the Joshua Jackson movie, The Skulls.
0: Yes. Yeah, well, when are you not thinking about that movie?
1: I mean, it is one of the days that ended in the letter Y. But you've got the two football players, the two jocks of whom are knocked on the head. And here's the big question I've got for this very episode... King Tar, he's taken off his hat, say, hey, guys, look, this is what happens. You've heard the rumors because of the student newspaper. You've heard the rumors. When I get hit on the head, I think that I'm a crazy Egyptian guy. Yeah. Okay. And he's showing off the fortified hat that he has. And he's really taken that off for a fair amount of time. Now, I don't know about you, Nicholas, but if I have a serious medical condition whereby my noggin ain't as strong as it could be, I'd be maybe securing that as frequently as possible, not just being brazen, just waving my hat around. And then when the two jocks get their own noggins knocked, okay, and for some reason they immediately become Egyptian guys, I don't know if it's a proximity mental illness or how that works exactly, he's still got his hat going, what's going on here? Like, put your hat on.
0: He definitely is not smart about um, physical uh, safety. Is the implication that whenever anyone gets hit on the head, they turn into? They think that they're an Egyptian um, historical person.
1: Look, Nick, I'm a man of science, and I'm looking at this, and I just don't think it holds up.
0: No, it doesn't make that much sense. Mm,
1: it makes no sense. Speaking of no sense, Dick, Dick Grayson, yep. he's in the lounge with his aunt Harriet and Bruce. They're dressed in all sorts of um, gear. Not quite togas, but, you know, they're wearing the... It's Roman gear, isn't it? The Roman gear.
0: yeah or is it Greek?
1: Uh, look, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it's Cleopatra, so, you know, you'd assume that it's... I don't know. I think there's some cross-cultural business going on here.
0: Um, anyway, put a pin it up. Do you mind if I get out of here? <laughs>
1: That would be the right choice. Now, they're just hanging out because there's some sort of charity gala they're going to later that night. Aunt Harriet thought it'd be a good idea to check out their costumes, see that everything fits and whatnot. Right. So they're doing that. Bruce, he's very excited because there's a young lady in his life named Lisa. He'd like to see what she looks like as Cleopatra.
0: Lisa Carson, daughter of John E. Carson. Indeed. Amazing how clever the people on this show were.
1: Put a pin in that. We're going to get back to it. All right. Okay, lots of pins, not much time. Alfred comes in and is like, Sir, Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Commissioner Gordon's on the phone. Bruce is aghast that Alfred has come through in front of Aunt Harriet and has crossed the you know identities and is like, Alfred, what are you doing? Right. Okay, Commissioner Gordon, like this is a front to so everything that we've been doing here. But anyway, it turns out Commissioner Gordon was just after Bruce Wayne but Alfred thought that it was a smarter idea taking it in the study because he may need to do Batman-related stuff straight afterwards, which turned out to be exactly right. And how dare Bruce question Alfred after so many years of service? Yeah, Bruce
0: was a real jerk.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Dick was a bit of a jerk as well because when he walked off, like, he was also mumbling about this. It's it's not on. There's just no respect for their elders.
0: No, and it reflects a kind of... Um... A lack of value for servitude in mm. the Wayne household, I would say. Between all the stuff that Aunt Harriet does, I mean, she's basically a a maid, the way she's treated.
1: Oh, look, I think that's unfair. She's not really supposed to get on, like, hands and knees and start scrubbing the joint, but rather she's doing charity-related things. I think she's doing exactly what a woman of her stature in 1966 upper society would be doing.
0: Also, uh, with Alfred, I, I would be a lot more careful about treating him nicely because he he knows secrets yeah he knows where the bodies are buried
1: yeah he knows where thomas and martha wayne are right now yeah they don't address that in the show but we all know what happened now the first fourth wall breaking happens just shortly after this with gordon on the phone he finishes up on the phone call talks to batman on the phone straight after bruce and then he looks straight at the camera and says you'd think the man could read my mind who looks at the camera commissioner gordon He's got O'Hara next to him, a person he could be talking to, but instead he chooses to look directly straight at the camera, down the barrel of the camera, straight to us. I
0: don't understand that.
1: No, I don't don't understand that either.
0: What's the joke? Yeah. Is there a joke? Well,
1: I think it was supposed to be that somehow Batman knew exactly what was going on without Gordon having to tell him any of the actual pertinent information.
0: What, because he's read the script? Because he can read Gordon's mind. See, I get it the next time it happens- because it's kind of uh, the show's fascist message to the kids out there. The no man is above the law and no man is below it. Whatever the hell that means.
1: Yeah. who's be- Who would be below the law? You would be. You know who'd be above it? This who? guy. Okay. A couple of really interesting guest stars. Let's maybe get into that business of the Batman land. First of all, the big one, Lee Merriweather.
0: Yeah, she's Catwoman.
1: She Well, she was a Catwoman. In a movie, an assi- right? Yeah, so she hasn't appeared in a TV show as Catwoman, but in the Batman feature film of 1966, she was Catwoman. Julie Newmar couldn't do it, so they recast, and it was Ms. Merriweather. She's pretty good. Look, I think she's good. I think she's underrated. So there's always the conversation of who's your favourite Catwoman in the original Batman, and everyone goes Julie Newmar. And in fairness, Julie Newmar's amazing. I think we talk about that frequently on the show.
0: She's also most... She, she does the most as Catwoman.
1: Absolutely. Of anyone on the show, she does the most.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. But anyway, uh, Lee Merriweather, I think, is still very good as Catwoman. And in this episode, I thought she was fantastic. She plays Lisa Carson, the aforementioned daughter of socialite John E. Carson.
0: Who's insane.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I did like his moustache, though. Now, John E. Carson, obviously a reference to Johnny Carson... And this got me thinking, because Johnny Carson was a known presence on TV for years and years before he took over The Tonight Show. And so I got to thinking, like, was this actually, like, how early into The Tonight Show run was it? 1962, he took over.
0: He was the host in 62? Yeah. Wow.
1: And he ran that through to, what was it, like, 92? 93? When did Leno yeah, take over? Yeah, it was
0: something like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Now, all up, he ended up ratcheting up 4,955 episodes of the show.
0: That's a lot of Karnak the Great.
1: Way too much Karnak. So maybe just getting back to Lee Merriweather for a moment. What do you know her for? So do you know her mostly as the Catwoman character? Yes. Yeah, so I know her more for the Time Tunnel.
0: Two American scientists are lost in a swirling maze of past and future ages during the first experiments on America's greatest and most secret project, the Time Tunnel.
1: I don't know if you ever watched that show when you were a kid.
0: Um, I had the GI Joe figure Tunnel Rat.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's exactly the same.
0: It's close though.
1: Uh look very, very close. Uh, so, Time Tunnel, I here. She was a scientist who's working in the lab. That the time travelers go. Have you seen us? No, I have no idea. What you're talking you know what language about. I'm speaking here? No, not at all. Okay, so the premise of the show is these two guys. I think they're both Air Force from memory. It's been a number of decades since I've seen this, but they end up being sent through this uh, from this lab. They go into this big TV screen thing, and the time tunnel. They travel back in time, and so the people in modern day 1960 whatever the show was set in are watching these two guys off in far off times, like. You know, they're in ancient Rome one week and they're uh, studying Egyptology the next week. Uh, they're in World War II. And so they're watching them through this TV screen. And then at the end of the thing, they solve the issue of the week or whatever's going on. They help someone out. And then suddenly they bounce on. It's like Quantum Leap, but with people watching from a lab. Anyway, she was one of the scientists watching on. It was a very good show, Nick. Actually, so
0: that aired around the same time.
1: So that was, I, th- I think it's like a late 60s series. I don't quite remember Time Tunnel exactly where it fits in. Because obviously I didn't watch it when it was originally being aired. I watched it as a young kid when it was on Channel 10 in the afternoons. I think on Sunday afternoons they were running it for a while. Uh, But I also saw a lot of her because she played Lily Munster when they revived the Munsters back in the late 80s. So in 1987 you had the Munsters today and she was playing Lily there. But audiences broadly, I think, know her more for Barnaby Jones, a series that I've never seen, uh, where she played Betty Jones, offsider, to the guy that played uh, Jeb in the uh, Beverly Hillbillies.
0: Um, Victor Buono?
1: No, I don't think it was Victor Buono. Lee uh,
0: Merriweather?
1: No, I don't think it was Lee Merriweather. I'm pretty sure she was the offsider. What's
0: her name? Buddy Ebsen? Buddy Ebsen. Did you happen to see Lee Merriweather in Having Babies 2, the TV movie?
1: Somehow that one got past me. What year was that?
0: 1977. She plays Martha Cooper.
1: Okay. Classic role. What? Often talked about to this day.
0: What about the Brothers O'Toole?
1: Brothers O'Toole, I'm not familiar with either of these Irish gentlemen.
0: You say you know your entertainment, your Look, quality entertainment content.
1: I'm going to switch the conversation a little bit to talk about another guest star in this episode. The blonde um off-sider, the gangster's mole, uh, it's a King's Hut in this episode. The character's name was Neela, and the actress was Grace Lee Whitney. Now, I don't think you're a Star Trek
0: guy. But she's in a bunch of those movies.
1: Uh, she's in the- Okay, so she's a really interesting character. So at the very beginning of Star Trek, like classic Star Trek, also kicked off in 66, you had this cast member in it, Grace-, Grace Lee Whitney. She played Yeoman Janice Rand, and she was a regular cast member.
0: On on which one? Star
1: Trek, the original series. the original series. So when you think about Star Trek, you're thinking about your Spock, your Captain Kirk, obviously, your Bones McCoy, your Scotty. Like, you think about all these regular characters, but uh, Janice Rand, like, was one of the main characters on the show. Was
0: she on the Enterprise?
1: On the Enterprise. She was, like, a main – she was, like, one of the Starfleet members, okay? However, she ended up leaving the show after just eight episodes because there was an incident that she's talked about a number of times, but she did write a book – like a biography, autobiography of her life, and talked about this incident. Uh, essentially, after a few weeks on the show, she ended up in, being involved in a sexual assault.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. Uh, she never explained who it was. She always referred to it as a unnamed TV executive. She only referred to it as the executive. Uh, she's essentially said that she forgives him now because he was going through a lot of alcohol issues and. Yeah, it it, it's all—it's very unpleasant. Basically, there's a lot of uh, conversation around who that executive is. And if you think about it, it's probably exactly who you're thinking about. But I'm not going to name names here because I don't think that's really the place to do it. But go reading online. There's a lot of interesting conversation surrounding this. But essentially, after the assault, she ended up turning to alcohol and had like a few rough years there. But she kind of came to terms with her demons, and she appeared in a whole bunch of Star Trek things in years to follow. Got really heavily involved in fan conventions, and really saw that as just an active part of like her sort of mini-celebrity.
0: Is all of this such a big deal because because of her work on the original show?
1: Well, this is exactly it. So, I mean, she was. Essentially, if she'd stuck around on that show she would have been like a household name name. at this point but that never happened that's a bummer yeah i mean there's an argument to be made that maybe her involvement in the show could have been like a butterfly effect and maybe the show wouldn't have been as hugely successful but like she was very entertaining like she's a fan favorite character (laughs) so for all intents and purposes she should be like just as well known as like a leonard nimoy
0: and uh, look where we are now with leonard Nimoy.
1: Indeed. Uh, we could probably talk a little bit about Susie Knickerbocker.
0: Yeah, who the hell is Susie Knickerbocker?
1: <laughs> so Susie Knickerbocker, I had no idea what was going also, on. Also,
0: did Susie Knickerbocker not get the note to not just stick her head straight up? She needs to look like she's coming out of the window at the right angle. Otherwise, you can tell that this is just turned sideways.
1: Look, I thought that she was very charming. So it's a lady by the name of Eileen Mayo.
0: What? Her name's... Not Susie Knickerbocker. That's not the name of the celebrity.
1: Well, yes and no. So it's this woman, Eileen, and she was a columnist and her pen name was Susie Knickerbocker. So as I think she was as Susie Knickerbocker. Yes. She used to appear on like a couple of TV shows. I think it was What's My Name is the main thing that she was on. But throughout the 60s, she was a society columnist. And so that's what was going on in this episode with both Batman and Robin talking about being part of the society pages.
0: I've said this before on this podcast, but they are absolutely wasting the celebrity appearances.
1: Oh, look, in the context of 2018, sure, but people knew who she was back then.
0: It's so... that Her delivery is so bad. I would have seen one take of that and yanked her.
1: Yeah, but she's not there to act. She's there to be a TV personality. It'd be the same way as if you were watching it now and you saw... Uh, who's on TV nowadays? Daryl Summers, is he Tim still on Allen? TV? Tim, Tim Allen? Allen. We'll talk about Tim Allen. <laughs> Did Tim Allen stuck his head out the window?
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. I would have gotten a huge kick out of seeing Tim Allen stick his head out that window. Oh, Who wouldn't? Um, can we talk about the story for a second?
1: I, I guess, if that's the sort of thing you want to do here at Batman Land.
0: Robin has a date to the Egyptian ball. Who, does. Is, who is that date?
1: I don't know, because she had a few funny line deliveries as well. And I thought, you know, she's worthy of note, but I couldn't really find an actress name for her. There was another actress mentioned on the IMDb, but I don't think it was her. Or I think it was the other lady in King Tut's lair.
0: Also, how, when King Tut gets hit over the head, does he have a lair and henchman uh, ready to go so quickly? Are they just... Well, obviously, those two guys got hit over the head at the same time. Yeah. But... Like he's got a he's got a hideout and everything. What's going on?
1: And you got the gangsters more pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand what's going on. But look, what I do know is that Burt Ward, for the first time in the history of the show, had a really great line delivery. What was that? So there's a moment where, and it's just a ridiculous moment. Uh, Batman and Robin are in front of one of the many back computers. And they fed some information in and the computers uh, translated uh, something King Tut's written. And it said,
0: I, the great King Tut, have returned to Gotham City to wreak revenge on Batman and his accursed companion. At
1: which point, Bert Ward straight away he says, Hey, that's me. Hey, that's me. <laughs> Hilarious. He's a sharp pencil, that guy. Is he ever? Speaking of sharp pencils and pointy tops, can we talk about the Pyramid Club?
0: Yeah. yeah, well...
1: Well, the Pyramid Club was here. the uh, the hangout of King Tut and his minions. Did you notice the... Because, okay, so when they have an establishing shot, usually they'll have, if it's a club of some description, you'll see the shot of the club outside with a sign. So much the same way as uh, later in the episode, we saw the Pyramid Club from the uh, like dock where people drop off deliveries and whatnot, and Batman and Robin went through there. There was a sign up saying... Pyramid Club and there was a, I forget what the additional thing is because it's closed at the moment. Okay. So there's just a sign on a wall, but the initial establishing shot for the Pyramid Club wasn't video footage. It was a painting of the Pyramid Club. I've <laughs> never seen that on Batman before.
0: So I think was the, um, the, uh, skyline. Oh, look,
1: entirely possible. I mean, you see, like, a lot of matte art in the background for scenes yeah. when they're trying to fake this, but this was just blatantly just a painting.
0: It's expensive to shoot outside, Dan.
1: I mean, it did. It was shaped like a giant pyramid. I can imagine that's probably difficult to get your hands on.
0: Were you aware that um, there was a big discovery with the real King Tut? Uh, no. Just a few days ago? Tell me more. They did some uh, radar... Um, Inspection over a few days and mm. they discovered that uh, he's in there alone. Uh, his stepmother, Nefertiti, is not in there. A lot of people thought that there was some kind of secret passageway where you could get to other bodies. Yeah. Uh, not the case. Okay. Nothing. So, Just him.
1: So if he's in there alone, what does that do to change the mythology of King's Heart?
0: I guess it implies that these pharaohs weren't buried with all of their relatives, but some of them might have been. I didn't look too deeply into it, <laughs> I just saw that bit of news, because I um, get all the King Tut updates.
1: Yeah, on your Google News alert. Yeah. For Victor. Look at her, every
0: inch a queen.
1: Ooh. So Nick, how proficient are you with Bat Morse code?
0: Um, I'm as bat proficient as, as required Yeah. in 2018. I don't use it as often as I used to. I'll admit that.
1: So when Batman sent Alfred the Batmorse Code, you were able to keep up with it enough?
0: Is this, well, is this a, like a trick where you're going to say Morse Code wasn't in these episodes, you didn't watch them?
1: <laughs> That's right, and Batman wasn't wearing a wristwatch.
0: Can we talk about something creepy that happened in the episode?
1: Uh, was it the use of the phrase, the sleet increase is never very neat?
0: No, and it wasn't the use of the word pulchritudinous which is a great word. Can you even say that on SBS at 7.30 on a Friday? Uh, I hope so. It's going out there.
1: Let's check with management.
0: So Batman um, tracks down Lisa Carson with the help of a tracking device that he's put on her. Why did he put that tracking device on her? Did he know she was going to get kidnapped? Does he put tracking devices on all of his dates? That's unsettling. Okay,
1: wait, wait. Sorry, I need to unpack a lot of this. There's some very big accusations being made and I want to know exactly what's
0: happening. Yeah, damn right. So
1: who did he say he was tracking her? Like, Lisa Carson. Yeah, but how did? He, who was he talking to saying that he was tracking Robin.
0: her? Robin. It was in the Batcave. They were at the um, computer.
1: Can I propose this? Because I'd hate to think of Batman as a creeper, as a lurker.
0: He's drugged women and brought them back to the Batcave.
1: That's in another episode, Nick. We're focusing on this one right now. All right. Okay, I would hate to presume ill of Batman. Could it possibly be that, because he's dating Lisa, like as his alter ego, Bruce Wayne.
0: Is he? Da- are they dating?
1: I think they're going out.
0: Or is this their first date?
1: It's not their first. Well, I don't know. Like, It seems like they've had like exchanges before.
0: She had to work awfully form. hard at the end to try to get him to come over.
1: She did. We've got a lot to talk about with that. So yeah, we've got oh to put a pin in that for God. the moment. But yeah, so I'm thinking like they've had exchanges. Like they, They're in each other's lives to a certain degree. They know each other. Yeah. Could it possibly be that him and Lisa have both put each other on their Find My Friends on their phone? Okay, but he hasn't allowed Robin to be on his Find My Friends because he doesn't want to share his location with his boy Wonder. Could it just be that he was just too polite to say, oh, well, you know, she's on my Find My Friends?
0: I mean, that's utterly preposterous, but uh, I'll go with it. You go with it? Yeah, maybe. Yes, that's what's happening. It's a children's show. That must be what happened. It's the only thing I can imagine. It can't be that he's putting tracking devices on the women he dates. No, he's a gentleman. That would be weird. It would be very weird.
1: Also, can we just talk about some oddity with technology and just general weirdness in Gotham? Batman and King Tut are having a conversation over the airwaves, yeah, and well, in I didn't order even to
0: understand what the hell was going on,
1: with but that. yeah, to stop people in Gotham from knowing what's going on in terms of this high crime caper they're asking the Gothamites to turn their radios down or off.
0: That seems like a seriously flawed plan. I
1: don't quite get it. And it wasn't like they were really sharing anything that was like, particularly secretive that they needed to protect the people of Gotham from. Except right at the end, where there's this great moment where it sort of cuts away as King Tut's saying something into the phone, and then you only hear like the garbled bit of noise from the other end of Batman's phone. And Adam West gives this great line delivery, and he's
0: like... Oh, oh such language. I was a lot more disturbed by the phone call to um, John E. Carson the father of the kidnapped woman. There's no police there. Nobody's tapping this phone. Nobody seems to care that this poor woman's been kidnapped and he is prepared to give whatever they want. But I'm just wondering what the ransom procedure was in 1967. Look, I
1: don't get that. I also don't understand why he doesn't think Bruce Wayne is marriage material for his daughter.
0: Yeah, and he's also way too prepared to pimp her out to Batman. It
1: was a different time back
0: then. It's it's very... A lot of of uncomfortable, this was a different time type of moments in these episodes.
1: Yeah. I mean, in fairness to the situation, I mean, Batman already knew exactly where Lisa was and what she was doing at every given minute of the day. (laughs) Because I find my friends. Yes. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about the ending. Let's talk about what happened there.
1: The final scene in the hallway? Yeah. Like, this was, like, maybe one of my favorite scenes in the Batman series.
0: So what we know is, up to this point, Bruce Wayne either Bruce Wayne or Batman, never accept a woman's um, advances.
1: Well, we haven't actually seen Bruce Wayne in the context, because you hear that he's a playboy, but we've never really seen him actually talking to women as Bruce Wayne, except in the context of him being Batman. So, obviously, a lot of time with Catwoman, a lot of times out and about. There's been the occasional time where... Like, the gangster's mole has needed to be, like, put through some sort of period of uh, financial assistance to rejoin society after prison, and there's sometimes a scene with them, but there's never, like, a sexual tension going well,
0: on. Well, what about the, the dinner with um, the woman in the um, in the Green Hornet episode?
1: Oh, that's a good point.
0: Were they? No, but he was kind of ignoring... They, there was no sexual tension.
1: No, there. not at all. Well, it was supposed to be a date, but, like, there were the two guys that came along. It was both Britt Reed and... Yeah, you're Brit, right. Maybe this is yeah. the
0: first time we've seen... Bruce, do they call him Billionaire Playboy in this show? I feel
1: I've heard the phrase Playboy in the show before.
0: Well, so just like Batman, he rejects uh, Lee Merriweather's uh, advances, ad- invitations to, quote-unquote, milk and cookies. Yeah.
1: Which is filthy. Okay, so I thought that was incredibly cute and charming. What? Well, it's kind of, you know, it's the end of the night. slide like, do you want to come in? Like, instead of coming in for coffee, like, come in for Even in 67... Even more charming back then. (laughs) If I had a young lady welcoming me back for milk and cookies, look, I'd be completely smitten. But I think that that's particularly nice because it's Lee Merriweather, who was Catwoman. So her of all people inviting him in for She was great.
0: But first of all, I don't like that. I mean, it's a different time. But the women on the show have to totally just beg Bruce Wayne or Batman to come in for some milk and cookies. Well, I don't
1: think she was begging. Like, it just sort of seemed, do you want to come in for some milk and cookies? I think it was a very nice adult situation.
0: She seemed distraught. She seemed to really want him to come in for the milk and cookies.
1: Well, wouldn't you? Have you seen that guy? He's gorgeous looking. She's gorgeous looking. It should be a slam dunk. There shouldn't be any issues going on.
0: Um. So he rejects it, but then he comes around. Well,
1: because she's... If you want to know if he loves you so, it's in his kiss.
0: That's right. They have a kiss. And we. this might be the first... Is this the first kiss we've seen on the show?
1: Yeah, and this was quite a kiss, and that's what I liked about this episode. Where this show is so cutesy and kid friendly, and then suddenly there's practically an X-rated kiss happening in the hall—not quite that much, but it was hot and heavy.
0: It was quite hot, quite heavy. Mm. I was a little uncomfortable because I I haven't seen kissing on this show before. No, and I was—I thought we were existing in a world where kissing didn't exist.
1: I thought he was going to lean and give her a very chaste kiss.
0: Oh, wait. Didn't um the Queen of Diamonds force him to kiss her for something? For a movie?
1: I don't recall. The Penguin's movie? I, I remember the episode he's talking about.
0: All right. Well but, Yeah, because they were cause there was cause like a Robin whole build-up got all jealous.
1: But wasn't that just a chase kiss on the cheek or something? It wasn't oh, anything. Maybe. It wasn't like this in the hallway.
0: But then Batman was all like, is it, whew, is it hot in here? Yeah,
1: but I remember the two of us mocking that scene mercilessly afterwards. That's right. Yeah. Whereas this, this was, you know, this is something. This
0: is like an episode of the Love Boat. <laughs>
1: well, I was going to say the Red Shoe Diaries, but you know, <laughs> choose your own series here. But yeah, now I'm um, heavy passion the hallway, and then straight afterwards, he's like, "Is that off of Milk and Cookies still open?" Because he is in for it, and he gave the looks at the camera and broke the fourth wall.
0: And that's when he said, "No man is above the law, and no man is below it." What was the line? I believe he said, Man cannot live by crime-fighting alone. That's right. I I don't really know how to talk about this without um, calling out some of the suggestiveness.
1: Here's the thing. You and I are trying to talk about this. We're in a workplace environment, Nick. Do we need to get someone from Human Resources to come down and moderate this conversation?
0: Yeah, I I think an arbitrator. An arbiter?
1: Arbitrate. I think
0: one of each should be present for this conversation. An
1: arbiter and an arbitrator. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because um, it's very tricky territory too much. I'm sweating.
1: I've never been more embarrassed to be part of a situation.
0: Did you like it? Did you think it was refreshing and like that they had a little bit of um, sexy time?
1: Look, here's the thing. So look, I've been a lifelong fan of this show, even though I haven't really watched it actively through most of my sort of adult sort of sentient years, but you watch it episode. But when like, I remember it very fondly from when I was a kid, and when I've seen the scattered episode here and there, because it's been hard to watch, like since you know the late eighties, early nineties. Whenever I've seen, like, a random episode, I've appreciated the show for being what it is, which is, you know, a very fun, well-crafted TV series with some genuinely funny moments, uh, quite a few bad episodes, quite a few good episodes. You know, I I sort of understood what it was. But I kind of watched this episode with this end moment where it actually did get a little bit more mature and a bit more adult. And I kind of wish that I could have seen that version of the show, like, where Burt Water isn't necessarily, necessarily part of it. Like, it's really just Adam West being a mature crime fighter. And I think I'd enjoy seeing that. Like I've been watching. Have you ever seen Peter Gunn? Um, Top Gun? Uh, no, 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 Peter Gunn. Okay. Okay, so like you know the Henry Marcini theme song. It was yes. a series from the mid '50s. No, that's
0: not it. No, I
1: think that's Bonanza.
0: No, no. What dun, were you dun, doing? Dun, dun. No, it's Mission Impossible. Oh, that's what you're doing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so Peter Gunn, and i have never really seen it. Like I think he used to play here at Channel Nine, like in the early hours of the night, kind of the same way that like Naked City you occasionally see crop up on the schedule. I think it might have played there. I'd never seen it, but I was watching it and I was surprised for this half hour black and white series from the mid fifties, just how mature it was and how efficient it was with the half hour story. It's a private detective show. And so every week someone will come along needing his services and he solves the mystery, the crime, whatever's going on in the world. And then next week it's a whole new adventure with Peter Gunn. But I was just surprised at how adult the whole thing felt. And so when I'm sort of thinking about that and I'm contextualizing that around Batman at the moment, I kind of wish like the mid-60s Batman had maybe gone down a bit more of an adult route. And I've never felt that until this
0: very episode. I think you make an excellent point. God knows what people in the 60s um, thought about when they're creating TV shows. But like if they were planning a children's TV show, even so... I think it stands to reason that if you have more of this kind, more dating, more Bruce Wayne love interests, legitimate love interests, not just people, not him just saying, no, no, I'm married to Wayne Foundation, which is a weird thing yeah, to say, yeah. it would have broadened the appeal of the show.
1: Well, possibly. And the thing that we're finding towards the end of this run of the episodes is the ratings for the show were quite dramatically down. At this point. At this point. In the 1960s, on Land, they're doing remarkably well. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean
0: part of the cultural conversation
1: very much so they actually are doing pretty well in viceland but back in the 60s like this show was faltering it wasn't really performing as it was and you notice in this episode they make mention of barbara gordon who we know is Batgirl.
0: that's right i remember that
1: and i think this episode is very much just laying the groundwork for barbara gordon becoming a character in the show because they brought her in because the ratings were flagging and so they brought in a girl. She, she does liven the show up a fair bit, but they also reduced the budgets quite dramatically for the third season as well.
0: Just as a side note, the way mm. they introduce Barbara Gordon is to have Commissioner Gordon, who's already established as a complete <laughs> dunce, yeah. to complain to Batman about being worried that she is going to be hit over the head because she's in college and lose her mind and think that she's um, Cleopatra or something. That yeah. was his, he was worried about that.
1: Yeah. And it was fun that Batman called him on it.
0: Yeah. I'm glad he caught, but yeah, I mean, how dumb is this guy?
1: Look, exceptionally dumb. But that to me just seemed like that was shoehorning in a reference to Barbara Gordon.
0: I mean, if you're, if the ratings are flagging, why not have more um, love interests, maybe switch up? I love the fighting style. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Thank God there's always a chandelier for Robin to swing on and kick somebody. But maybe make it a little bit more realistic. Well, this is what I wonder.
1: So you've got this episode where they do play around with the form of the show just a little bit more than they used to. I'm wondering if at this stage they were actually wondering whether or not they would go down more of an adult route. Okay. But they obviously choose not to because when Batgirl comes into it, if anything, they sort of double down on it being a kid's show. So it becomes a little bit goofier. It's a bit crazier. But I do wonder, like, maybe there's something about that scene where if they thought it was working, like, maybe it's the thing with Batman going out on dates quite regularly and, you know, just becoming more of, like, a fleshed-out real character to a certain degree.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it would have been nice. Yeah. (laughs) Nick
1: was saying, each week, we like to really take away something from the show. We'd like to learn a lesson. Now, every week we've learned a lesson. This week, was it any different?
0: Um, well, we've already kind of covered it, but I, I learned a couple of things. First, that no man is above the law, which I, I understand, and no man is below the law, which I, despite your explanation before, I still don't understand. But also that man cannot live by crime fighting alone, which is the big takeaway from this episode. It happens at the end. Bruce Wayne goes in for milk and cookies. Presumably, they eat milk and cookies together.
1: I learned a very important lesson this week. And look, it's a lesson I've known, but there's just something about modern day convenience is just so easy. Sometimes you just don't necessarily want to really engage in this. But I learned from Batman because if Batman can do it, I can do it. Buy locally.
0: That's right. Absolutely. That was a great message.
1: Yeah. I mean, sure. In this case, it's Batman with his costumes. He buys from a local Gotham person. Okay. But maybe I should be doing the same.
0: I was worried that they were revealing like that's a, that's halfway to revealing their identities. Oh yeah, we get uh, we get our capes locally right here in Gotham City. If somebody finds where they get the capes, then you find who Batman is.
1: They were just talking to a woman on the street. like it's not like that person's a gossip colonist who's likely to report that <laughs> very information right. to Gotham. Anyway, mm-hmm. should we just wrap this thing up? Yeah. That's right yeah, we've got places to be. That brings us to the end of another Batman land for another week.
0: Uh, Nicholas, you're on Twitter, right. You can find me at Milk and Cookies, or if that's uncomfortable, at Nick Bassin will do. Why do you always have to attack the Milk and Cookies? I think it's weird. I think it's charming and delightful.
1: Look, if you want to tweet me about your choice of milk and/or cookies, personally, I like a Chips Ahoy. Send me a tweet at the Dan Barrett. If you'd like to talk about Batman Land, hashtag
0: Batman Land. Help. Have you ever had um, Chewy Chips Ahoy? I have. Maybe the best cookies of all time. Well, I mean, that's a big call. What's better? Look, I am actually struggling now to think about better cookies. <laughs> there you have it. Yeah. Case closed. I'll tell you what, Coles makes an excellent cookie. The minute you walk in, they've got packages of their own, wh- wh- oh, whatever like the house they, brand. Yeah, the house brand. They're amazing. Yeah. I had um, five or six of them the other day.
1: <laughs> You're not a big, like, biscuit sugar guy either. No. This is your secret shame here it on the podcast. A, yeah, it
0: was a meltdown.
1: Now all I want is some melted marshmallow, but no, Dan, focus. We've got to bring the show to an end. Thank you very much. If you enjoy Batman, be sure you can check it out on SBS Viceland every Friday night at 7.30pm. Double episodes. Season 2 is ending very soon. But Nick, good news, we're barreling right into Season
0: 3. And Season 3 is five years long, isn't it? Yeah. Five years worth of episodes. At least. (laughs)
1: Five years worth of episodes in the one season in the one year. Outstanding. How do they do it? so we'll be back talking about Batman next week I believe it's an episode with the Black Widow is Scarlett Johansson in it no different Black Widow that's too bad but if you want to find out which Black Widow it is you know you have to listen to the Batman land so we'll be back for that if you enjoy hearing Nick Bassine, he's on another podcast here at SBS called The Playlist what goes on there
0: it's a candid and open um, cultural conversation indeed and you can
1: hear me on The Good Fight an SBS fan podcast (laughs) love it check that out we talk about the good fight obviously and the real world issues that inform that program it's a very entertaining program it's myself and this lady named sarah malik it's good stuff and if you enjoy fiona williams who's occasionally on this program uh, she'll be there talking about the handmaid's tale in the brand new podcast eyes on gilead which is a fantastic podcast and big thumbs up recommendations go and listen to that but anyway we're here to talk about batman which we'll do next week same batman land time same batman land channel boom until next time